everybody. Welcome back to the BAT podcast. Howard, Zach, and Alex back at you once again. You know, we were just uh, sitting around chatting about how we can make this podcast better. We appreciate everyone that tunes in every week to listen to what we have to say. Um, Alex, you were saying you listened to what a Bill Simmons podcast that has nothing to do with cars, but they mentioned bring a trailer recently. Yeah, it was a, 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 thanks for having me back. B, a big highlight for me, um, you know, always thinking about how we can make the podcast better, more compelling for folks. I particularly enjoy, I'm a big podcast fan in general, and I particularly enjoy the Rewatchables podcast, which is about rewatchable movies, not necessarily great movies, but movies that are really fun to rewatch. The kind of conceit of the podcast is, you know, if you're walking past the TV and you see a scene like what makes you sit down and be like, oh, I got to see what comes next, right? So it's movies like Armageddon and Bad Boys and Jurassic Park and Predator. So like fun stuff like that. Um, the uh, main host is Bill Simmons. He hosts it with a couple other guys from his podcast network. Um, and recently they did uh, Halloween, the kind of iconic horror movie. I did not listen to that. Po- What's that? that Michael Myers? Isn't he Halloween? Oh God, you're going to embarrass me here in public, Zach, in virtual public. I don't know who it is. I wasn't going to listen to that podcast because I don't like horror movies that much. Uh, But then Matt Cook, one of our uh, colleagues, one of the editors here at Bring a Trailer, shout out Matt Cook. He reached out and was like, hey, I know you like the rewatchables. Go to one hour, three minutes or whatever it was. And they were talking about some station wagon that's in the movie and somebody found it after it sat in a barn for 30 years and restored it. And one of the guests, one of the uh, kind of other main co-hosts, Chris Ryan, he goes, have you ever, you ever heard of that website, Bring Your Trailer? And Bill Simmons immediately goes, oh yeah, bringatrailer.com. I know them well. Uh, and he's, I think, a little bit of a, a closet car guy. He had talked in the Bad Boys episode, one of my favorite movies about how the 3.6 liter 964 turbo famously in the opening scene of that movie was uh, Michael Bay's own car that he let them use. It was actually kind of a low budget movie. And Bill Simmons was rattling off production numbers for 3.6 liter 964 turbos. So anyway, that's a long story, but an exciting moment for me. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I thought, okay. Yeah. Alex didn't actually share that with us uh, before this. I thought maybe there'd be a bit, a little bigger, a uh, little bigger shot. That's like, oh, go to the, go to the in-car video at 39 minutes and 20 seconds. And then the rear view mirror, you can almost see me leaving the pits. Anyways, that was my... 15 no, it was just oh, that's good. for us. Yeah, maybe maybe that was a little anticlimactic, but he did get bringatrailer.com in there. So the URL was named in the podcast. I would imagine they have quite a large uh, listenership and they were talking about prices. That would be 95K on bring a trailer, that kind of thing. We'll, we'll grace the servers for the spike in web traffic. For that one. <laughs> I think we're probably already past the hump. Uh, awesome. Well, we got a, we got a lot to ch- uh, chat about today. We got a ton of cool stuff on the site, which, uh, which we'll get into. Um, why don't we do that now? Alex, Alex you were at a cool event uh, uh, last weekend, but maybe we'll save that for, for, uh, for the end. I, I want to talk about what, what we got on there. Um, one I noticed recently, which is, which is I, I, I wasn't conscious to it, and then I was actually scrolling. We have three, four GTs on right now. We have uh, an 06, or maybe it's an 05. We have a Heritage Edition, and we have probably the sickest new Ford GT we've had, which is a, a carbon edition uh, with the great wheels. There's a white with a stripe, but um, not, not even not even a humble brag of, of four, three Ford GTs. But although uh, we appreciate that people want to sell them on BAT and, and we actually do have a, I wouldn't call it a scheduling problem, but for stuff like ZH and Ford GTs and stuff like that, it's, it's such a blessing to have 
people enthusiastic enthusiastic to sell them with us and we don't want to have a, a ton of those cars live um, at once or even more than one but being able to have a new one an original one and a heritage makes a lot of sense and i think it's it's pretty neat that uh we have those three live now also have the cav gt40 replica which the one that sold this week uh we have uh we had one that oh, sold that super, on that sunday that was a super then, performance yeah, now yeah. we have a no reserve cav this week rounding it all out and that one i noticed i was looking at it earlier zach it has a paint job similar to like the first generation ford gt it's like gray silver which is like a combo i don't think i ever saw on a you know original gt40 um a period gt40 but it looks great i actually thought it was a ford gt when i first saw the thumbnail on the front page yeah totally i mean it's got 17 inch wheels and some other touches i don't know about it but uh cool to see that spread for sure thanks for pointing that out howard how do you guys feel about the new ones? Would you roll it? I Alex, personally Alex is shaking his head on cam for those. Ladies. I don't know. I don't know if you're supposed to say this on the website for a company that sells these cars. I, I for me, I'll lead off. I'll lead off, Alex, but with positive. I actually think it's it's one of the best designed cars in the last ten plus years. I think there are a few cars that really look like a million dollars, and when you say this is a million dollar car, you say, "Wow, like that seems spot on or even like cheap." Yeah. Uh, and, and for me, a new Ford GT is that car. I think it's, it's incredible. I would totally own and drive one. Uh, I'm a huge fan. So, so with that precursor to what, uh, 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 less positive, uh, uh, feedback Alex has, let's hear it. Well, no, I actually completely agree with your sentiment. They're really sick looking and the design is completely unique and amazing. And they're a hugely successful race car, right. And designed to be so. And so like, you can't take any of that away from it. Um, uh, I just like driving cars around on the street and from all I've read and heard that that car is more like a track car. And so I like the slightly more boulevardier aspect of the original Ford GT. Um, I actually drove one as a young, a guy in his early twenties when they were new, I can't believe the owner let me do it, but, um, uh, until this weekend, it, oh no, still is the fastest I've ever driven in a car. Uh, although I drove very fast this weekend too, but, uh, that, um, uh, that car just, suits me because it's a little bit more streetable. Also at a third, the price, I find it very compelling. Um, my The reason I like those cars in general is because of the GT40, right? And the GT40 Mark III, the street car was always my favorite. That's a, there's, you probably know how, there's like six of them or something or seven. There's like, that's an unattainable car, but the first generation Ford GT is, you know, kind of gets you a little bit close to that. And that's what I like so much about that. Wait, so 15 years ago, you hopped in someone else's Ford GT and did 150 miles an hour in it or what? Uh, yeah. Statute of limitations is over 165, uh, ish. It was top, whatever the top of fourth gear was the very top of fourth gear and the supercharger wow. was like right behind your head. It's a very, uh, very compelling thing. It was really easy to get it to that speed, by the way. Where, where was that? And was the owner riding shotgun with you? Wow. You uh, he was not. Uh, his boyfriend was riding shotgun with me, a guy who's still my friend. They are no longer together, uh, but he let us drive that day a Gallardo, a 360 Modena and a, uh, and that car. I was probably 20. It was one of those come out. Oh, five. So I was like 22, 21. Um, I was racing at the time. So I had some, like, you know, they trusted me to drive it. Uh, and it was on highway one in between San Luis Obispo and Morro Bay, which is like, maybe not like the well no it's just straight it was fine is that did the guy that split his enzo in half a decade ago didn't he do it on highway one maybe that was pch 
I think it was further south. I think that was down by, uh, maybe, maybe it was like in Malibu. It was like down in that area. This is like kind of more four lane, four lane freeway and not much traffic. It, well, it really did not feel, it felt very controlled, right? Like it didn't feel like it was, you know, it's a very fast car. And, and out of curiosity, you, you held it at 165 or you accelerated up to 165, touched it and then, and then backed her down? The latter, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> definitely uh, accelerated up to 165 top of fourth gear or whatever, whatever, I think almost positive it was top of fourth gear and then let it decel. And got uh, right into some threshold braking. <laughs> no, none of that. It was all straight line. I, I don't mean to throw shade on, on your, on your 165 trap speed run. That's, that's uh, not anything I've ever done. So but, uh, to bring it full circle back to the 19s, let me just, cause obviously everybody wants to hear my opinion now that they've heard both of yours. Um, that's very tongue in cheek. The thing I appreciate the most about these cars is that one, they kept the round taillights because any modern car with round taillights in this day and age uh, is, is a win in my book. And also true to the original 05, 06 Ford GT, they kept the same engine that's in the F-150 at the time. So I appreciate both of those things. Yeah, I think it's those styling cues, right? When, when you immediately look at it, you might like the round taillights might not be what jumps out at you. Like when you look at a first gen Viper, the fact that there's, you know, hidden door handles doesn't jump out at you. Then you kind of look at it and say, oh, huh, that's that here's the X, Y, and Z, why this thing really pops. And, and uh, oh, yeah, I think the, that's what you're talking about. The buttresses are so good. I can't believe you guys didn't comment on the 3.5 EcoBoost, but. Well, that's after Howard made his like, made his, uh, his, uh, uh, defense of the new Ford GT. I, I couldn't, I couldn't go after the motor. What's actually cool about that? When you own this thing for 50 plus years, you're still going to be able to get parts for it, service it and use it. So maybe that is kind of a pro for longevity and supercars, all these hybrid power plants, who knows what those batteries are going to do in hundred years. Well, I mean, if you think there's so many cars that are either homologation specials or cars that were otherwise built for racing purposes that have somewhat pedestrian engines, even the the going Mercedes, I mean, that's like a, you know, it's an iron block production-based motor that then has that elaborate um, fuel injection system on it and like a, you know, a, a head that is, uh, that, that is altered, right? But it's not even- the Origins were kind of a truck motor for that. That's right. Right. It's not even cross-flow, I don't think, as I recall. I remember Robert pointing that out on the BAT going. So, um, you know, so some, sometimes stuff like that can become iconic later. Um, we talked about a really awesome white, uh, Toyota 2000 GT that we had on the site and subsequently sold uh, last week. We now have, it's now raining uh, 2000 GTs. We have another one live now, uh, a car that's actually a BAT alumni uh, car, one that we had listed and sold back in 2016. And man, I remember 2016, so now five years ago when we listed that uh, 2000 GT, which is now the, the, the exact car that's come back around. Uh, that was a huge deal at the time. It's still a big deal to list any significant car like that. But uh, I feel that was one of, if not the first real headline, big dollar, uh, significant car that um, uh, that someone entrusted us to help them sell. And uh, fortunately, we've had many more of them since then. But uh, this particular car, yeah, holds, holds a special place in my heart, given that uh, I really remember that 2016 auction and, and how big it was for us. Um, guy that bought it was, it was a cool dude, Don Yount. Um, his username is, is Don Yount on the previous auction. So I feel, I feel comfortable saying his name. Uh, I exchanged some emails with him. I don't know him personally, but a guy that does some cool racing. I think he's bought some La Carrera cars off the site. And, um, so now this, 
this red 2000 GT is, is live now. So be sure to check that out. Um, we're about ready to have a, a 2000 GT model page. We're going to get a few under our belt if we don't already. Um, I, I know that was on your list of cars that you wanted to talk about today, Alex. We, we got a ton of other cool stuff that's going across. I'll just put in one more plug for them being my favorite car. They're so beautiful and uh, pouring over both the white one and the red one that's back now. Um, does nothing but solidify that to me. Every So many little details. The ones that I've been kind of geeking out on recently are the that uh, louvered uh, grill that's under the bottom of the nose. There's a couple angles on this one in the photo shoot that weren't on the 2016 photo shoot where you can see that super cool. And then also just the the line of the door, like there's no straight lines on the door. It starts, the bottom of the door starts curving from the very front corner all the way up in one beautiful sinuous curve all the way up to the door handle. It's just a, I mean, it's like a show car that drives around on the street. I feel that, and, and that's a car, it's so elegant and so almost diminutive. And, and it's a car that, that uh, kind of like what else? Kind of like a De Tomaso Mangusta that looks to me so much you're smaller in person in the flesh than it does in photos. Um, but in a wonderful way, you're like, wow, okay, this is, this is what one of these look like if you've never seen it before. Um, I think you've, you've made that comment to me before, Alex. Amazing cars. And I'm happy to see this one back. Uh, that was our, I believe that's probably our longest standing record auction result, right? I mean, that was the record auction result on BAT for years. I think the first yep. time. That's right. That's right. The white car was left-hand drive and it was white. So that's, you're, you're probably not, probably not going to see another one like that again, but uh, red's a great color on them too. Tell me about this. Tell me about this special DeLorean we have on there now. Oh man. Uh, Zach might not know more about it than me, so I can defer to him. I'll just point out that it's uh, uh, the uh, seller uh, had this pretty wild build done on it um, that, maybe doesn't center around. I know it probably does center around the powertrain, which is a Kia Stinger V6 with twin turbos, which he very nicely integrated. It's got a, um, an intake box that like looks almost factory on it, says DeLorean or it says DMC on it. It has, I think a Porsche transaxle. Um, and, uh, is, you know, we have all the, the trap speeds and the, all the, uh, the, the quarter mile times and everything that he ran in the car. It's extremely fast, 550 horsepower, something like that. Um, and there's a bunch of other modifications. The idea, I think, being uh, to make the DeLorean into the kind of car that performs the way it looks. Zach, do you have some context on that car too? Do you know about it? It was driven by a lot of kind of car personalities. The PR campaign behind it's pretty incredible. The guy has, I think he's got like eight videos, a couple are from major outlets. Matt Farah, Smoking Tire, has a great vid of him driving, driving impressions who's also big in the, I think it's fair to say he's big in the DeLorean community. He's at least an ex-owner of a pretty fantastic one. So you hit on all the highlights, power output, the Stinger drivetrain is such an interesting choice. It's gotta be for packaging reasons, right? I mean, I would think so, right? It has the kind of notoriously, those cars famously have that terrible PRV, Peugeot, Renault, Volvo V6. So you get the same thing. I mean, wedging twin turbos in there is kind of crazy. I think if I recall correctly, you guys can, can, um, can maybe, you know, better than I do, but, uh, I think the idea before the DeLorean motor company folded was to put twin turbos on the PRV V6 to make it into more of a performance car. So there's some kind of interesting tie in to maybe what the original plans that, uh, John DeLorean had for the car. Um, but, but like the attention to detail is what makes this car for me just down we see so many resto mods that are 99% there and all it needed was a different 
steering wheel and a different set of seats that weren't out of a Suburban and they would be dialed. And this seller really went the extra mile in finding the right Recaros for it. Uh, I don't know if he replaced that Alpine or not. I have to dig a little deeper or if that's actually period, but man, it looks so good to see the Alpine six button in there. I actually really like the exhaust setup he has on there. I know GT3 exhaust setups are becoming a little bit of a cliche at this point, but man, I think it really does tie the look together. He didn't go oversized with the pipes. No, that low, uh, if you look at the listing itself, that rear three quarter from low angle where you can see uh, the drivetrain a little bit, because you know, the V's, it's rear engine, it's not really mid-engine, the drivetrain's all the way back in that car. And you can see that exhaust sack and the, the rear valence, which I'm not, I think it's custom too. It's kind of like louvered. Um, that's like my favorite angle of that car in that photo shoot. I think it looks fantastic. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, you nailed that. The head on rear too. I love the vanity plate he's got. It just looks so wide and aggressive. And I, I'm personally a person that has always wanted the DeLorean to perform like it looks. So it is cool to see someone do such an honest and well thought out tribute to that. Yes, that is a good point. I feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, the DeLorean, like, like say for like back to the future uh, replicas, I feel that's a car that people don't really spend time or money modifying. And, and this is really well done and, and jumps out to me because you just don't see DeLoreans that are like someone put a lot of heart and soul and cash to, to improve it. And, and this guy certainly- Yeah, didn't. most of the ones we end up seeing are actually- brought back to DeLorean Motor Corporation or similar and, and restored to original as best as possible and, and made reliable. But the performance add-on, fair points, Howard, rarely see. Wow, we've listed 58 DeLoreans. Uh, I feel the market trend for those is, is up and to the right. Uh, I, made a, I made a joke uh, earlier in the office today. We sold uh, uh, today, what's today? Monday, November 8th. 160 miles, Zach's rolling his eyes and being like, oh my God, don't mention this. 150 <laughs> mile uh, Civic natural gas sedan. Uh, 20 I saw that listing. I saw that listing. I scoped on that. So, I mean, a 2012 Civic natural gas, whatever, but it had hundred miles on it. So that's, that's kind of cool. It sold for, I think, $12,000. And it wasn't even a joke. I just kind of wondered aloud, like how much, what would like a 50,000 mile one of those be like seven or eight grand. It's just a, we, we talked about like dynamically low mileage on a podcast a few weeks back. And it's funny to me that that's a car, like it could have had eight miles on it and it would have sold for like $3,000 more than just a used car. Totally. I mean, it's possible that somebody's buying it as a used car if they have. It's very possible. In fact, access to compressed natural gas. You know, what's the most interesting thing about that listing to me I expected to click on the, uh, the the listing. I was like, oh God, here we go. I'm going to read the comments. It's going to be a bloodbath. And it was not. People were like talking about the availability of compressed natural gas and they were discussing the merits of the car. Like, I mean, you never know which direction things are going to go. And it did not go in a really negative way there. I was fascinated by that. I think it's also a good reminder of the 400 miles Chevy Metro that we had last week. Did you guys catch that? Basically a preservation class Metro. I did catch that. It's, it's actually my favorite Metro since that great uh, automatic convertible that RM Sotheby's had in one of their online auctions in a great color. Have you guys, <laughs> you guys, are, you guys aren't following the, the wonderful no, Metro Jim? That. You know that car? And it sold for yeah. like $5,000. Oh, I mean, yeah. man, if I was paying attention, I would have bought it. I think that's just 
for five grand, what else can you drive that has more curb appeal? And oh man, you're really just hunting for a great geo tractor tracker <laughs> in that price point. But yeah, hundred thousand views sold for eighteen two hundred, which was exceeded the MRS, original MSRP by seven thousand dollars. Even adjusted for inflation, you still exceeded it. You want to talk geo tracker, and we sold like the world's best uh, Suzuki Samurai a few weeks back. So. Is that the one with the wood on the oh, side? Correct. Yeah. You're so offended you'd compare the two of those. <laughs> uh, depends how big of a bucket, how wide of a net we're casting. It's at some level, those uh, uh, yeah, tracker and samurai are in the same in the same bucket. But yeah, the green with the, the faux wood paneling. I saw that one too. It's always interesting to me what shows up in the on that results page in the kind of most viewed section up top. And I believe both of those were up there. So that's always fascinating. Isn't that funny? Green, green with wood samurai was probably sale proof when it was new. And now low mile one, there's a line around the block of literal people lining up to bid on it. It's it's funny. Well, there's, a, there's a correlation there, right? I, maybe we've already talked about this on podcasts in the past, but between cars that people couldn't sell originally and then cars that are sought after later, right? Because... There just weren't that many of them. The one that I always think of is the Volkswagen Corrado, which is a car that I really, really, really want. And they didn't make very many of them. They didn't sell very well. And then the few that did sell got modified a lot. So it's just really hard to find a nice one now. Oh man, I moved through today. So it'll it'll be on the site in a few weeks. A, a great Corrado SLC in a, in a great kind of, not a teal, but just a wonderful 90s color. I don't know if it was stock or not. Good wheels, good stance, like just, uh, whoever built it did a good job. So yes, yeah, that's, that's the car. Another one I was talking about today is the, Im the impulse. You remember the Isuzu impulse handling by Lotus? Handling by Lotus. <laughs> oh, y'all got to take a shot. Are you guys supercharged four cylinder or VR6 and Corrado's? Oh man, I would take both. How's that for a garage, Zach? Impulse and Corrado? Let, let me just shout myself out as someone who has real Isuzu impulse experience and that I actually drove one in the 24 hours of lemons and completed the full 24 hour, which in that, I think it was two eight hour races. So not a full 24 hours uh, event at Thunder Hill like 10 years ago. Um, I've actually driven an Isuzu Impulse on track for probably what amounts to several hundred miles and, and they do handle quite well. That's awesome. That's amazing. It's, yeah, it's the less- Lotus ever drove one of those. <laughs> Lotus was, yeah, Lotus was almost as bankrupt then as John DeLorean was before I shut down his company. And they were looking to sell their handling packages to anyone who would write him a check. So. Were they looking to sell other things too, like John DeLorean? What else we got? Um, we've sold a number of cool supercars. I don't want to get too into the late model supercar stuff. Um, shout out to 599 GTOs coming off their market lows. We're, we're not going to have this be a Market Insights podcast, although... Uh, maybe that would be my calling in life uh, at, a, at a future date. Yeah, let's gear up for market insights on uh, another one or two here. And we can finally discuss this Saab 900 SPG result. In oh, man, I want to hear you talk about that. I would also, Zach, like to hear 911R insights from you because they were like 200 grand not that long ago. Oh, not the user account, the car. Sorry, not Matt Crandall. I'm very fond of him too. We can we can talk about him sometime as well. But no, I meant uh, the model uh, after which he named his uh, user profile. And it's funny, all of the 18 GT3 Tourings, the longer I stare at them, the better the 911R looks to me. I just don't care for the like jowls and the front end of the refresh. I agree. I remember in the not kind of early-ish days of auctions. So the 911R is what, 2016? I remember in 16 and 17, 
people were selling those, whatever, original owners. I don't know if Porsche had a one-year uh, uh, restriction. I don't think they did. But they were 450, then there were four, then there were 350, then were then there were three, then they kind of dipped below three, right? Kind of 18. Uh, we sold one in the low two, I think 235. We sold one. Yeah, right? I think that's right. And now they've now they've gone the other way, and we uh, sold one a couple of weeks back for I think 410, 411 with a couple thousand miles, and then we sold one uh, what just today. Yeah. 650 miles, uh, 441,000. So um, it's interesting to see cars like that, that kind of go through kind of their own little mini cycle price-wise and, uh, and having that played out uh, on BAT and elsewhere. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. I see it. I think they look fantastic. Magnesium roofs, they get way better gauges than the current GT3s. And if you got to have the best and the most unique, it, you know, you're, less likely to see another one of these at your cars and coffee unless you're in the greater Southern California area. 2019 speedsters, they're kind of, they kind of came down. That, 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 that's maybe more of a muted, uh, muted I don't, curve. I don't recall production numbers on those. I think for me personally, I've never been a huge 911 speedster fan. I think the humpback is maybe just not the best with one of the most iconic roof lines of all time, that trade-off. But I think the current ones actually look good. What do you guys think? I'm meh on all 911 speedsters. The 89, the 964. There's a 997, I think, right? And then there's also the oh, new we'll one. We'll talk about that one. Okay. Well, uh, if we can back up 30 seconds, Zach, is do you know production numbers on the 997 GT3 4.0? That's the other one that everyone always talks about. I don't know if we've ever listed one of those. Around 500. Okay, so that's the rarest, right? Of all of them. That's rarer than a 911R, I think. Yeah, 911R is just under a thousand. There you go. I think that's the one. That's the one for me. Which, oh, sorry, 600 globally for RS 4.0s. I, I misspoke. But 996 GT3s to your trip that we're going to get into in a little bit here. They're they're not um, too much higher than the two of those. Yeah, there's a, I think there's about four thousand built, four or five thousand for the world, about a thousand 996 GT3s sold here in the U.S. Yeah, pretty wild. It's always shocking to hear those numbers. I'm sure everybody that's still awake in this conversation is surprised <laughs> you and I are. Wait, so yeah, I want to hear about that, uh, Alex. You had a cannonball run. You were you went to you went to the what the SoCal BMW meet. Uh, shout out to those guys. We like that event. We've uh, been there a number of times. That's uh, yeah. I, one last thing on cars on the site. I would be remiss if I came onto the podcast and didn't talk about an Auburn Court Duesenberg, an ACD car. So I just want to. Very quickly, 10-second mention that we have our first L29 cord uh, ever on the website. And I believe Howard is a fan of those cars. It's a Cabriolet model, which is very pretty. And so I highly recommend folks check that out. Very interesting. First front-wheel drive American car, straight eight. Really interesting. Thank you for mentioning that, Alex. Uh, that was also on my list of things that Kool-Aid forgot about. We've actually, for people that, uh, for the few people that actually listen to this, we've mentioned L29s. I know I have on the podcast several times before as being among our favorite pre-war cars. And yes, finally, lo and behold, at long last, we are finally listing one. Uh, a red car went live uh, a few days ago. Um, man, that's, that's, it's pretty sweet. So definitely check that out. Indeed. Um, yeah, so I had a great, uh, great time this weekend um, cannonballing my, uh, my 2005 um, 911 GT3 down to Los Angeles and back from the Bay Area here. So about a thousand miles in about 48 hours, dropped my daughter off at my parents in Central California, 
on Friday night and then drove we're on Monday here and then drove down Highway 33, which is probably my favorite road in the world in between uh, the Cuyama Valley and Ojai, California. It's a kind of works prog uh, WPA Works Progress Administration era road that doesn't really go anywhere. It's out in the middle of nowhere. There's very little traffic on it. Um, and it has kind of long, uh, long straightaways and long sweepers. It has some kind of tighter, more technical sections, but it's like a pretty open, flowy road through gorgeous California. It's apart from other roads, if it's truly your favorite. Because I've been on a lot of roads with you and a lot of fast ones. <laughs> well, you I, you have driven with me on that one before. Uh, I've tried I've to force everyone. You. Thank God I wasn't with you. <laughs> I went faster this time. Uh, it... Um, I'll be honest, I, I, I mainly love the 996 GT3 because, um, because it was the first GT3 here. It was the car that got me excited as a 19, 20 year old when it came to the US because the dot, dot one version didn't come here, only the dot two did. First GT3 here, I remember reading the Road and Track article. I still have that issue downstairs. They drove a guard's red one and I just love the way they look. I liked. I like the fact that 996s are kind of under love uh, or not loved as much. We're a little bit of the black sheep. I don't know if that's the case anymore, but um, uh, I really like the facelift on them. And uh, the GT3 just looks special and real simple. So that was the main thing that appealed to me uh, me with those cars. And then when I got this one, um, uh, it's an amazing car. It feels surprisingly like an old 911, but I was a little underwhelmed by particularly the um, I love Revy cars, but the motor didn't seem as powerful as it. I mean, it's fast when you really rev it up, but you can floor it at, at 4,000 RPM and not much happens. Um, uh, 380 horsepower in this day and age is not what it once was, right? Right, especially with no torque, especially when it's all peak, right? Um, and I'm not saying the car's slow by any means, but it run, reminded me a lot of the S2000 I used to have, right? There's just, you really have to rev it up and make it go fast. And the other thing I didn't love was the steering. It felt kind of vague on center and it's a little tw twitchy and nervous. I drove the car a lot on the highway. But man, on this, on 33, I understand what that car is all about now. Top of third and fourth gear between 5,000 and 8,000 RPM is where it comes alive. And it is shockingly fast. Like white knuckle, my palms were sweating the whole time I was driving that road. Is this back. a night run, day run? Early morning, early morning. Love it. Yeah, it was fantastic. You're making your own, your own rendezvous on the Central Coast. Indeed. I, in fact, I did rendezvous on accident with a Ferrari 328 in Cuyama, which is the last place you expect to see a Ferrari 328 pulled over and took a couple of pictures with that car. Um, and then the BMW show, as always, was great. I'm happy to talk about that, too. That's a great event that we've gone to many times. So I know you've been a little lukewarm on your GT3. I know nothing but problems on your end. But how did that drive feel in that car, given that was your first real experience on a fast road? back road, not dealing with on-center steering, cruising down the freeway. It was like light bulb, light bulb over the head, right? Like I'm like, oh, this, cause you know, the conditions, it's not as smooth as a track and there's definitely not, you can't, you can't mess up, right? You've got to, you've got to keep it a little bit more inside the limits than you would on a track. I wasn't not exploring the limits of traction on the car. I, um, but I get why, uh, why the car is built the way it is, right? It's built to live up at high RPM in those gears, right? Similar speeds that you would be, um, achieving on a track, uh, with big kind of long flowing, um, sweepers and, and a few tighter second gear corners on that road too. But, um, I get why it's geared that way and why the power is all peaky and why the steering is so precise and kind of 
almost nervous when you're just driving down the highway. So I'm also I'm curious because for me, driving the newer ones, uh, it can make up for a lot of my own poor driving and lack of talent. It will save me in a lot of spots that I shouldn't be saved in and wouldn't be saved in a newer car. I can get away with a lot more, frankly, in the newer GT3. But the 996 GT3 is sort of the last one that you can get away with a lot less in it. It handles and drives much more like an older 911, which you have extensive experience in. So how did you find that in a car that has, you know, 120 more horsepower than a lot of 911s are used to driving? I mean, I was, my hands were still shaking a little bit as I dropped down the, dropped down the five past Santa Clarita into the, into the valley there where the show was. And I have mainly been thinking, Zach, about what the hell do people do with McLaren 650s and like the, like, 500 horsepower gt3s like there is no way you could even try to approach the limits of this car even on a very fast back road so like i don't know what people do with these modern supercars howard you were talking about that that gto 599 or with you know i mean even more mild things like i I would imagine just like whatever the out of the box cheapest mclaren you can buy has 200 more horsepower and is still rear-wheel drive i I like, I don't know what people do with those cars. You can't really bomb that road in a car like that, or you're at, you know, three tenths of the car's limit. Wow, Alex, you're, you're, you're sometimes a little twitchy and nervous. You're in a car that's twitchy and nervous. That's, uh, I'm glad you got through that, through that phase and, and into the uh, top of the rev range where the car really came alive. And it sounds like you really started to dance with it. And, 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 and n- n- nice new deal reference on the Highway 33 being built under that uh, Forks Project uh, deal. Got those great stone bridges. You've been on those roads before. So give us a, a little taste before I wrap up. Best stuff at the uh, at the the SoCal BMW meet. Absolutely. Uh, put on by John Barlow. He does such a great job uh, every time we go there. I think this is our fifth time we've gone. We love that show. It's very homespun. It's in a park in Van Nuys, but also only in SoCal could you get 500 plus BMWs to show up to a park. It was huge this year. Uh, Highlight for me was the same highlight as a couple of years ago when I was there. Um, uh, Euro Spec 85 E28, or sorry, E20, uh, E28 M5, 1985, uh, in a weird kind of brown gold metallic color Euro car. So with the, without the big bumpers um, and doesn't have shadow line trim, chrome trim, and then kind of a brown interior with cloth houndstooth. Uh, it was a diplomat's car in Europe. I've seen that car twice and love it. Um, I was marveling at a lot of the, um, a lot of the um, 2002 tourings. I'd actually, those never seem to get to seem to get to the love. Like I think they should, I think they're so great looking and they're so interesting. There are a couple of TII versions and some non TII versions. I think those are great. You I guys know, those? Tourings. You and like them, Zach? The, the top one is that is the A4, is that what they call it? Uh, remember I sold a great- uh, uh, Some Alpina modification. Alpina one, right? yeah, yeah, those are cool. Those are cool. They, they're somewhat unloved. I think maybe they're starting to uh, get some more respect these days. Man, yeah, I think that's such a fantastic rally car and it has so much just use as an around town car. I am a little curious, you brought up E28 M5s and I don't mean to entirely derail us from the show here, but is that your favorite M5, Alex? No, my favorite is the E34. I'm also on Team E34. Uh, I know they're not as good a car, but there were a couple really nice ones there, and I was admiring them. There was one for sale that I'm attempting to push one of our colleagues into buying because they, they're they still play. kind of the most affordable one, and they've got that big six-cylinder, and 
that's the era of styling I like the most. They look the best inside and out to me personally. I always felt like E28 M5s, while I do think they look fantastic, look a little bit like an E30 that got hit kind of right on the top of the trunk with the bat and slanted forward. What's your favorite M5, Howard? Yeah, I agree with all that. I mean, we obviously sell it. I've sold a ton of, uh, of E39 M5s. I still think like buying a 250,000 mile well-serviced E39 for like 13.5, there's some, there's some romance in that value and, and what you're getting. I don't know if that, if that uh, fades very, very quickly your first week of driving around town, but there was a guy who won an award at the show who built his own kind of E34 M5 touring. He had the um, M system um, uh, turbine wheels on it. It was just, I think probably just built on a 525 wagon, but E34 wagon. And he had an E39 M5 V8 in it with a supercharger and like vents on the hood. He won an award there with it. It was unbelievable. It sounded great. You could hear the supercharger spooling everywhere it drove was really a cool build and a really awesome car. Oh man. Well, yeah. Any other highlights from the show? Um, I mean, you know, tons of really clean, uh, uh, examples of the models that we love. I actually, my favorite thing, uh, to really look at is just really nice E3325 ISs. That's my favorite E30. And just seeing those, you know, in really nice, well-preserved condition. I, I love that. I, that would kind of probably be my dream BMW. Dark painted bag, dark painted gray basket weaves. Yeah, I agree. Th those can look uh, so sharp. Yep. Was there a 1600 GT there or no? Uh, you mean the glass, the glass car? Yes. I did not see one. Lots of Isettas. There was one of the Isettas with the back seat, you know, the kind of longer Isetta. Yeah, the Isetta uh, 600s. Yeah, that was interesting. There was a BM, I'm maybe ashamed to admit this on the podcast. There was a BMW model I'd never seen before, said 3,200 on the back. And it was uh, maybe around a 1962 plus two coupe. And it looked like a Bristol or like a Jaguar almost. Um, I've, it had wire wheels. I'd never seen anything like it. Um, maybe Bertone designed. I don't know what it was. I'd never seen that model before. There was one yeah, of them. BMW I'd never seen before. I thought for sure you're going to say an X4M. No. Oh, that's my favorite part about that show is all the guys with the late model stuff have to sit out in the parking lot. They're not invited in. The newest cars that were invited in, I think, were uh, clown shoe Z3s. Oh, that's so, a like, great cutoff. Oh, man. All, yeah, all the stuff with the burble tunes, you know, like these like grand coupes that are slammed on huge wheels. They're outside ripping up and down the street in anger, but they're not allowed into the show. I'd like to see a Z4M in there, I think. Maybe some great E46 M3s with some Dean and Mods, but... Yeah, they're, they're right there in that era. Were the M635 CSI guys sequestering themselves away from the, the lowly pedestrian? <laughs> no, they let them all, all the E24s were parked together. So there may have been some, some internal segregation there that I was not aware of, uh, but no, they let all those park together. Awesome. Um, we'll have to see some of your picks from that event. Awesome, guys. Well, this was fun. Thanks for tuning in if you made it this far, and we'll see you again next week. <laughs>